0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. You know, we don't have control over everything that happens to us in our lives, but we do have control over how we respond to those things. And that's the basis of the book we're talking about here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. It's called That I May Know Him. It's written by Grace Peeler, and Grace is sitting right next to me now, and we get to talk all about this book. Grace, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. Can you tell me all about That I May Know Him? What can readers expect here?
1: The book is directed toward chronic pain, or just chronic illness in general, and how it can shape our faith if we allow God to use what we are going through to make us more into His image that's kind of, I guess, the audience for the book, but I have come to realize over time that it can also apply to other circumstances as well besides chronic illness and pain.
0: Grace, what sparked the inspiration for the book?
1: I was actually asked to start writing weekly devotionals a few years back for a Facebook group with there was several thousands of people that have the same chronic pain condition that I have. And the creator of the group asked me to start writing some devotionals to share my thoughts about the things that God was teaching me. And after a few weeks of doing that, I had a few people reach out to me and They told me that if I kept writing and turned it into a book, that they would really love that and they would buy it. And so after a lot of prayer, I just I kept writing and was leading from the Lord. It it just it became a 40 day devotional book.
0: Hmm. How much writing experience did you have before you started writing these?
1: When it comes to books and stuff, and professionally, not a whole lot. I I mean, I did writing in school. I had always thought it would be cool to write a book, but mostly it became something that I would just pray and ask God to show me what to write.
0: How long of a time period are we talking about here once you started writing things and then you decided to make a book out of it? How long are we talking?
1: It was probably a couple of years, there was a period of time where I had stopped writing and wasn't sure if I would finish. I experienced the loss of my father in June of 2020.
0: Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, that kind of really brought the writing to a halt and it took several months before I felt like I could even continue it again. So with that in mind, it took probably at least a couple of years to finish it completely.
0: What did you find to be the most challenging thing about the publishing end of it? Once you got your manuscript approved and started going through all those hoops, was there anything especially challenging for you?
1: It wasn't too bad. Christian Faith Publishing made the process pretty easy for me. I mostly, once I knew that I was getting close to wanting to submit my manuscript, I started just researching a lot of Christian publishing companies. I narrowed it down a lot with the ones who weren't accepting new authors at the time. And God kind of directed my search towards Christian Faith Publishing, and I just reached out to them and got into contact with some really encouraging people and just went from there.
0: Grace, can you tell me about what you were feeling, what was going through your head when you finally got that first physical copy and you get to hold your book for the first time?
1: Oh, boy. There was a lot of emotion for sure. One of the first things that came to mind was wishing that, you know, my dad could be here to see it. He was always really proud of the writings that I was doing and really enjoyed them. And so it was it was definitely an emotional time. I was also still in a little bit of disbelief that, like, hello, I'm now a published author. I'm holding my own book in my hand. It was, it was a roller coaster of emotions, and it took a few days to kind of sort through all of it. It was, it was really good, though. It was a really good feeling.
0: Wow. And what have you found to be the most rewarding aspect of now being a published author?
1: I think it's just hearing of the ways the people in my life that have started reading it and just hearing of the ways that it's blessing people. Mm. My journey with chronic pain began a little over eight years ago, and I never imagined God using my pain in a way that would bless other people. And so for me, it's just been hearing from people who have started reading the book.
0: Well, I know that a lot of people are going to be blessed and helped by this book. It's titled That I May Know Him. It's written by Grace Peeler, it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can grab it up everywhere. Go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go to iTunes, or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop. You'll find it there. Grace, thank you for coming on the show, telling me about your work. It was a really great time tonight.
1: It was really great. Thank you for having me.
0: This book emphasizes how the Bible brings personal growth and enlightenment and power to our lives. It's titled, More Steps Through the Scriptures. It's written by Alan Engel. And Alan is sitting right here with me now at the show, and we're going to talk all about the book. Alan, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here tonight. Well, thank you, Cora. It's it's good to be here. It's exciting you have this book out in stores. Alan, what can readers expect when they open up more steps through the Scriptures?
2: Encouragement, Hmm. I think, primarily. It's designed for a personal daily Bible study. There's 200 steps in the book, so it can be done you know, one step at a time. It's a passage of scripture that I selected, and then, then I write a short commentary
0: on it. Alan, how were you inspired to write this? What gave you the idea?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. Years ago, there was a thing that came out with these fitness watches in which you could count your steps while you were walking. It was designed to help you walk faithfully every day, and so that was designed for physical fitness, and I just picked up the idea and said, okay, how about steps for spiritual fitness? Mm. That's the idea of the steps through the first book and this book, too.
0: Of course, the first book was the Psalms and the Proverbs. Uh, What are the chances, and we'll see a third one after this? Pretty good.
2: Mm. Um, About halfway through it
0: right now, It steps through the Gospels.
2: Walking with Jesus, it's taken a little longer than I thought, so it may be
0: two parts. (laughs) But yeah, that'll be the series. Mm. Now, before the first book, Alan, have you ever done anything like this? What does your writing background look like? No,
2: I was not a writer Mm. or an author. What I did was I'm a retired pastor, Mm. and so each week I would pick a passage of Scripture and write a sermon message to be given Mm. on Sunday. And so I did that faithfully for 15 years. And then after I retired, it just kind of automatically kept going. And uh, I journaled, and then it turned into the first book. Mm.
0: And then, Alan, whenever that day came and you got the mail and that first copy came in, does that ever get old for you? You know, you're on your second book. When you see it for the first time and hold it, it's got to be crazy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> It is a crazy feeling. It, it is a fun feeling to see a, a project completed and then to be able to just give away a few copies and see people really appreciating getting a copy, just like I did.
0: Alan, what have you learned along the way of publishing and writing these books that you might be able to pass on to people listening right now who are just getting started in this whole writing and publishing thing?
2: Yeah, well, whatever your passion is and your desire writing can fulfill it. Mm. I think you need to be led by the Lord as to whether this is something that he's uh, desiring for you. And then I believe the Holy Spirit will just come alongside you and help you through it, guide you through it. It's a journey. It takes For me, it takes a couple of years for it to come to completion.
0: Mm. And sometimes that writing will get tough. Oftentimes it's a joyous freeing process. But It's not always, you know, there's always a little bit of hard work involved. And you've done an awful lot of writing just being a pastor, you know, that's a lot of writing involved. Now you've done these books. So do you get writer's block or anything like that? Do you you hit those speed bumps? Oh, sure. Yeah. How do you get through (laughs) stuff like that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's some days when I just don't feel like writing or I get busy or distracted with other things. Then there comes another day where I get back on on the horse and ride a little further. For me, it's the daily thing, mm. and it's a routine. It's something that, that I put in practice, and I enjoy doing it. And just like I enjoy the finished book, I enjoy a finished written step. And I try to write one a day, because there's about 200 steps in the book, so mm. it easily is one-a-day kind of thing.
0: I think a lot of people are going to experience a lot of growth when they read this book and the first one. This one's called More Steps Through the Scriptures. It's written by Alan Engel. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find it anywhere, like at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Alan, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me all about your work. I had a nice time talking with you tonight.
2: Thank you, Corey. Good to be on the program.
0: This is a book that focuses on understanding the reality of truth. It's titled The Order of Truth. It's written by Cheryl Carr, and Cheryl is sitting down next to me right here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to chat all about this book. Cheryl, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here.
3: Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate it.
0: It's exciting you have a new book out in stores for everybody, The Order of Truth. Cheryl, can you tell me about this?
3: Sure. This book actually provides a deep and engaging opportunity to raise a person's spiritual intelligence to a whole new level. It uncovers secrets and mysteries, which really come directly from the Bible and help us to build an understanding for learning how to speak the language of God. You know, from infancy, languages is one of the first things men learn how to speak on earth. And without language, there can be no understanding conveyed from one human being to another. So similarly, we can apply this idea to our relationship with God. God has a language that he gives to man so that understanding is conveyed from his spirit to our spirit. And God always understands the things we want to say, even when we are not expressing them correctly. Much like, you know, parents understand what their small children are trying to say to them when they're just learning how to talk. The more our relationship grows with God, the more fluent we become speaking his language. And we discover that grace and truth is at the heart and the foundation and the order for speaking the language of God. So this is what this book really captures.
0: What inspired you to write this, Cheryl? What gave you the idea to sit down and start writing this?
3: Well, actually, it was first out of obedience to God. Mm. And then it was fueled by a desire to share with others, you know, what God had shared with me, specifically, as I mentioned, those secrets and mysteries from his word. You know, sometimes we will be reading the Bible, but when I talk about the secrets and mysteries that are contained in the Word of God, it's meaning those things that we may have read in a surface way, but we've never really clearly understood.
0: Mm. And when we're talking about the kinds of readers that you were reaching out to here, Cheryl, were they the church-going believers that you were reaching out to, or was it broader than that?
3: Okay, well, I think the target reader is just anyone who desires to deeply grow in building a stronger relationship with God and who wants to share intimacy through conversation, which, you know, comes through a common language. Our conversations just naturally are rich and engaging when we have similar things to talk about, and when we have a common language. And so I think the Father really desires that for us. And so, you know, it's anyone who really is focusing and endeavoring in that area.
0: Mm. Now, before you wrote The Order of Truth, Cheryl, what does your writing background look like?
3: Well, this isn't my first published work. I actually published my first book in 2020, Mm. and that was during the time of the pandemic. When people were, I think, really looking for answers and and needed hope, and God had placed a book in my belly even almost 20 years prior to the pandemic, and Mm -hmm. I began to even wonder when that book was going to be a reality. But I found out that timing is so critical with God, and so little did I know that He was waiting to release it at a time when people, you know, may have needed it the most. In the title of that book was Living Finished. It was a book that encouraged people to live the amazing kingly and priestly life that God has already finished for us and His Son, Jesus Christ. And it teaches us to live from the end of the story rather than from the beginning, which the Bible describes as living on the other side of the veil. So. That was my very first writing. I am an educator by profession, and so writing is something I do and love to do.
0: Hmm. Well, I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. The title is The Order of Truth. It's written by Cheryl Carr. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can get it everywhere. So get on Amazon, get on Barnes & Noble or iTunes, or take a trip down to your local bookshop, and you'll find it there. Cheryl, thanks again for coming on the show and talking with me, telling me all about The Order of Truth. I had such a nice time with you tonight.
3: Thank you, Corey. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: This book challenges readers to get excited about changing the world. It's titled Rogerland, A Guide for Humanity. This is written by Roger Boniche. And Roger is right here with me now, and we get to talk all about this book. Roger, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I appreciate you being here.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you.
0: I'm excited to talk about your book. Can you tell me all about Rogerland? What can readers find here? Mostly it's a book
4: about inspiration and hopefully planting a seed on how we could better our future and how to find a more positive outcome for the planet, humanity, and everybody else that inhabits this wonderful Earth.
0: Hmm. Did you have a specific group of readers maybe that you were speaking to here?
4: Well. At first, I was thinking of just anybody that shares, you know, the same feeling that, you know, we do need to sort of get on track for a more positive tomorrow. Then I started thinking to myself, you know, this could also be for anybody who is just excited about creating something. Hopefully, it'll inspire people to create their own better future. So they don't have to follow the book, every word per se. They don't have to agree with every chapter or every idea. But as long as we're inspiring each other and we're all in this as a team, as humanity, looking for a brighter tomorrow, you know, I, I think that's a good outcome for me. I would be very pleased and very grateful for that.
0: Roger, where did this idea come from? What inspired you to write the book? Yeah, I was traveling
4: at an early age. I did uh, about four months in Asia, some months in Africa, Europe, Mm. North America, Latin America. And in my travels, I saw all the beauty that's so different wherever you go. There's always so much to take in and so Mm. much, you know, man-made beauty as well as God-made beauty. It's just beauty all around us, right?
0: (laughs) Mm, Absolutely.
4: I feel like then I started also noticing how, you know, sometimes humanity fails in common areas no matter where you are in the planet and I just sort of wanted to tackle those topics and and sort of, you know, try and guide us since I've seen it repeated in such different geographies and locations across the planet, I I just felt like maybe I could help a little bit here.
0: Now, this is a pretty complex topic, Roger. I could imagine this might have taken you a long time to do. Is that the case?
4: Yeah, yeah. It took me a while because uh, at first I sort of knew I wanted to write the book, and then I just never got around to sitting down and start the actual process of putting a book together. I had a lot of notes gathered across the years. I had gathered a lot of notes because I knew that I wanted to write a book. But once I sat down, to be honest, I never felt writer's block. I, I was always just very excited. If anything, I feel like I skipped some ideas because I was writing so fast and I was just sort of like, I didn't want to lose the inspiration. So yeah, that's actually, I think that I feel that I may have skipped some ideas in the process and that's a shame, I think. Overall, from the moment I sat down to finishing the book, I would say it was about a year, a year's time and, and just a couple of years before that gathering ideas and information on how to bring it
0: together. I'm really curious about the title, Rogerland. Can you tell me about that?
4: The title, because my name is Roger, and so Rogerland is my ideal place to live. Like, if I were to choose a place Mm. to live, I would like to live in a place that has all these properties. But as I mentioned, for the readers, it's not that I want to impose my thoughts on anybody. If anything, I want to inspire and if the reader feels that there's things to change, then by all means, I would just be happy to inspire the readers and, and have them go about building their own, you know, like Peterland or Charlieland or Bertha Land, you know. Like right. I want somebody to get inspired on building a better tomorrow, a brighter future.
0: I like that approach that you're not trying to tell people how to do things, but rather you're inspiring them to think and you're inspiring them to change things in their own way. I think that's a great approach, Roger.
4: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to get excited about changing the world for the better, then pick this book up. It's titled Rogerland, A Guide for Humanity. This is written by Roger Boniche, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get it everywhere, like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Roger, I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight and telling me all about Rogerland. I had a really nice time talking with you.
4: Me too. I had a great time, and thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: I appreciate it. His Touch of Grace, a devotional and Bible study guide, lessons one to five. This is a book that just hit stores, written by Kathy Nordgarden. We get to talk all about this book right now because Kathy's sitting right beside me. Kathy, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me with you. It's wonderful to be talking about this book. Kathy, can you tell me what readers will find in His Touch of Grace?
5: His Touch of Grace is a group of lessons over time that God inspired just as I drew near to Him, and He opened up the desire, a strong desire, to be in His Word. And as these lessons came together, I knew I was to journal them. Mm. I knew when he led me into a new lesson that it was all about him and i just followed and journaled and later on after 28 years these lessons ended up being in the first book his touch of grace
0: 28 years so that's the length of time it took to write all of these and collect them together
5: yeah i Um. started journaling them and never had a plan for a book, (laughs) you know, just my walk and the lessons that I learned. And then over time, they opened up to be Bible study lessons with a women's group. And then later on, they opened up to be lessons on social media. And the group of readers became larger and larger. (laughs) And I just felt finally, after so many people asked, why isn't this a book? I went ahead and spent the last year then preparing that.
0: So this would be for a broad readership. It's not just for a women's group or something like that.
5: No, not at all. No, not at all. It's for anybody who wants to know more about a God that so many times we say is in heaven, Hmm. and we don't realize that the God who created the universe is with us. And so it becomes a very personal walk and relationship with God, not a God that's at a far distance, but We can learn more about him, that he's with us in our day-to-day lives. And that's what this book is about. It's drawing you near and showing you we can walk with him now. We can know his love now. He wants to reveal himself in everything we do.
0: Hmm. Kathy, what does your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to publishing a book?
5: No, I haven't. My writing would come out when I wanted to send a family Christmas letter to everybody. And then I would see, oh my gosh. And I'd get compliments and comments on it Mm. and think, all I did was send the letters telling you I love you. And and it did a lot more than that, I think, Mm. in people's hearts.
0: Well, after all this time, you worked on this book for a long time, Kathy. A lot of hard work goes into publishing, too. What was it like when you finally got that first copy in the mail and you got to hold your book for the first time?
5: I just have been, I still am in awe. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. (laughs) There's interest in this topic, especially in the times that we live in now, Mm -hmm. where it just seems like there's so much confusion and darkness and people don't understand it. Nobody understands it. But when we can read that the God who created the universe does understand and we can find hope, in His Word, and and this book will just draw you into that
0: hope. So looking ahead, where are you on the next book? Do you have several more planned or just the one?
5: Well, in the journaling, there were 15 lessons, and each lesson would come with a drawing, an unplanned drawing. Hmm. So there's a drawing and poems and the lessons, the Bible lessons, the daily devotions. And there were 15 lessons total. So book one has the first five lessons in the order that I was able to journal them. And then book two lessons six through 10 are actually waiting for my approval with the publisher right now. Mm -hmm. So within a matter of a month or two, it will probably be in print format, in electronic format. And then the last five lessons, which will be book three they are sitting on my computer and waiting for me to edit them enough to get them to the publisher. So there will be three books with 15 lessons total.
0: Well, if you're looking to get more of God's goodness and his guidance as a part of your daily life, then you should check this book out. It's titled His Touch of Grace, a devotional and Bible study guide, lessons one to five. This is all written by Kathy Nordgarden and it's published by Covenant Books. And you can grab it anywhere. Go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go to iTunes, or walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll find it there. Kathy, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thanks again for your time.
5: Thank you for letting me share my story.
0: There's a new book of poetry just hit store shelves. It's written by Sylvester McCrary. It's titled Of Love, Of Life, Of Darkness, Of Light. And Sylvester is joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about the book and his poetry. Sylvester, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. This book of poetry, of love, of life, of darkness, of light. Sylvester, can you describe what readers will find here?
6: Well, of love, there's a whole lot of love poems and love songs. Poems like one I wrote for one of my brothers, When I came back home from Nam, he wanted me to impress. I've been writing poetry ever since I was 13. Hmm. And when my English teacher asked us, who are you? So I wrote a poem called Who Am I? And that was what gave me an A for the semester. My brother, he's in kind of a competition with another guy. They were going to Denby High School. And so I said, what's the most beautiful thing about her? He said, "Her eyes." So I wrote this called Starlight, starlight shines in the fluorescence of your eyes, and the light of one thousand stars can't match the flame of desire in my heart for you. Quick fire, morning rise, flowers wetly kissed by a morning dew. Springtime calling, raindrops falling. The glow of your love keeps me this way. Soft winds blowing, flowers growing. You in my mind, the one picture of my day. Whimsic moments of spirit and fire you to mine and my desire starlight shines in the fluorescence of your eyes and the light of one million stars can't match the flame of desire in my heart for you
0: that's good stuff sylvester you have a lifetime of poetry to draw on how did you decide what to include in this book
6: well there was a a number of things like a lot of love poems that's the biggest part mm-hmm. and love songs Then there was just life situations, just like I wanted to honor my father and my mother. Like one time, my mother, ever since I was 11 and when I had my first paper route, I would always buy my mother her favorite roses. Mm. She liked pink roses and a present. And I would always try to find different designs of pink roses to surprise her with. So one year I got laid off from my job and I couldn't buy it for her. So she said, you write poems for everybody else. Write me one. I said, okay. So I wrote this. What is a mother to Carrie McCrary? Someone who gives you life through pain and labor. Someone who loves her children equally without favor. Someone that soothes the hurt when you scrape your knees. She teaches you the meaning of thank you and please. Someone that makes a house the place we really call home. She stays in your heart no matter where you may roam. And though I try to explain you, as have many others, God really knew when he first called you, mother.
0: You also include poems of darkness and of light. What are those about? Darkness
6: is things like, well, Vietnam was one part of the darkness. Mm. Then uh, I had this dream one time about a devilish person. So I wrote this poem called The Bold Marauder, and it sort of went like, He comes with the night when all is right, as the moon is full and hotter, and death is his flame of lives off when he came, and he's called the bold marauder. It was once in a small town when sleep came, with lights turned down, and half the world was at peace. His hour had struck, and the time was right. He rallied his forces in the dark of night. Once again, death was on release. Out of the blackness all at once they came with their blood hot and their minds inflamed to do their unholy deeds. With thoughts of murder in their hearts, with thoughts of treasure from the start, they raised swords and voices to their captain's creed. But now in ashes the town lies as he has made silence of their cries and took gold, silver and their young daughters. With the night he disappears and on through the years echoed the terror of the bold marauder. Well, I'll tell you, Corey, the best part of of a book is the last part, because that's about my devotion to God and my relationship with God. And just like the last poem is a song called, How Can You Live Without God? From all that I was taught and I've read in the Bible, God is love.
0: The title is Of Love, Of Life, Of Darkness, Of Light. These are poems written by Sylvester McCrary, and this is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Sylvester, it was wonderful talking with you tonight, hearing your poetry and all about your work. Uh, I had a really nice time. Thank you for having me, Corey. Collateral Damage. It's the book. It's out in stores right now, written by Sonny Alashear kaiser Sonny's mother, Jody, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to chat about this book. Jody, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show.
7: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. Jody, can you tell me about Collateral Damage?
7: Yes. So, collateral Damage was written by our daughter, Sonny, and she wrote the book before she herself was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm. And in the book, a character has ovarian cancer. And we just know that Sunny, because of all of her research, knew everything that was going to happen to her when she herself was diagnosed. So it's a a heart-wrenching book, but yet at the same time, it's a book about a man. He's learning to follow God through the death of his wife to ovarian cancer and the reconciliation of his son, who's been estranged for 15 years, who comes back to town but is accused of murder. And so it's just, it's got a little bit of everything in there. Sunny was a very gifted and talented writer, had such a creative imagination, and the primary reason we opted to have it published at this time was for her children. Mm. Her son Robbie is now 20, almost 21, is in the military, and daughter Justine is a 17-year-old, almost 18, will be graduating here in a couple months, and actually she'll be coming to live with us after her graduation. But they're able to see the character, the imagination, and the faith of their mother that they never got to experience. Sonny's been gone for 11 years, 11 and a half years. And Robbie was nine when his mom died, and Justine was six. So, again, they just never really got to experience a healthy mom, but they're now seeing her creativity.
0: Jody, when you think about the kinds of readers who would really be into this book, who would that be?
7: I think it's just people who have family differences. Like I said, there was an estrangement with their oldest child in the book. There's reconciliation that goes on at the end of the book. But, I mean, all families have issues. All families have illnesses. We never expected to see our daughter contract and battle cancer and then lose that battle. You know, We just thought she was a good fighter and could win the battle. There's all kinds of audiences that can see it, but they can also see the way that God works in their lives.
0: When it came to publishing this book, how complete was it when Sunny left it? Was the writing done, or how much did you have to do?
7: Okay, she had it complete. I had read it as she wrote it, so we're talking about probably 2004, 2003, as she was writing it. She was just never able to get it published at that time. So I had read it, and then last fall, just being in her junior year of high school, had a family history project. And so she started asking a lot of questions about family. Mm. And I figured that 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 was kind of what prompted us to go ahead and submit it. And like I said, I've I've read it many times. Robbie asked me if I had read the book, and I said, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've read it countless number of times, you know. Mm. And I did a lot of the editing, and then Christian Faith did the final editing of it.
0: What did you find to be the most challenging aspect of taking Sonny's work and publishing it?
7: What would other readers think of it? I know as a family, we all loved it, and it's the type of reading that I do. I like something that's got a little bit of drama or mystery to it, and it definitely has that in it, but also that Christian message. But what was challenging was, would it be accepted? Would it be accepted? And I I didn't even tell her kids that I had submitted it until after it was accepted.
0: (laughs) Jody, the day that the first physical copy came in of collateral damage and you got it out of the mailbox, got to hold this book for the first time. Tell me about that moment.
7: Justine, she lives in Montana. We live in Oregon. She happened to be down here visiting during the time that the books arrived. And so she was getting ready. We were ready to take her to the airport. And I was able to actually hand her a copy. Oh, wow. And the look on her face, the look on her face as she held that and held it to her chest. I did the same thing. I was just overwhelmed by being able to actually hold the book, but to see it in her kids. And then we had to mail copies to everybody else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's called Collateral Damage. It's written by Sonny Alice Kaiser. and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thank you again, Jody, for coming on the show and telling me about Sonny and about this book. I had a nice time talking with you.
7: Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Travis Pond. Travis, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, it's my pleasure. It's exciting you have a new book out in stores called The Last Shepherd. Travis, can you tell me what readers can expect when they open this up? The Last
8: Shepherd is just a wonderful, it's a short story, nothing too committed time-wise, but a short story that talks about the, kind of the true meaning of Christmas and helps you get into a good feel for the Christmas time. It, it helps kids, it's, it's meant for kids and parents to share together and enjoy a good bonding moment around the Christmas season.
0: Hmm. Travis, what inspired you to write the book? When did you get the idea and start writing?
8: You know, I happened to be sitting around with my family Christmas Eve, and we were reading the account out of Luke, and we were talking about the moment that the angel appeared to the shepherds and how the shepherds were so excited, and they were left with haste to go find the Christ child. And it got me thinking. I thought to myself, you know, how did this happen? I mean, did they just, you know, all just jump up and immediately run or? were there some that were quicker and up than others? And I got to think, you know, what happened to that last shepherd, that last one that made it there that night? You know, what was his story? And is that story my story? And and sometimes in some ways I connected with that last shepherd, you know, being the slowpoke to maybe find Jesus Hmm. and how that maybe a lot of us have that same story within us that we want to know Christ and we want to know Jesus, but, you know, maybe we're not as rambunctious and as excited to get there at the beginning. But once we get there, it's still the same wonderful payoff.
0: Mm. And Once you sat down and started working on this, Travis, how long of a process was it for you?
8: You know, I've written other novels that took me less time. <laughs> <laughs> This little story has been in the making for actually for two years. Hmm. I came up with the title and the idea and coming up with the right way to express what I was feeling about the story. This is a lot of my own feelings for my own life and Christmas. And I think it it resonates with a lot. But it, it took me two years to really get this to the point where I wanted it.
0: And most often when you're working with children's books, you'll be working with illustrations as well. Travis, what kind of a process was that for you?
8: You know, that was a wonderful process. I found this amazing illustrator, and and it's something that she did kind of as a side and was a little reluctant to do at the beginning. And as she read the story, she said, you know, this story really needs pictures. And I said, I agree. And it didn't take long as she read it and as we talked about the project to come up with the idea of the way this story needed to be told. And I think she did a fantastic job of telling the story in the pictures And it makes the story just so much better when you're able to see the
0: scenes that she created. Hmm. You told me about how you had been writing novels prior to this, Travis. Was it challenging then to make the jump to children's books? Is this your first time doing that kind of thing?
8: It is. My fantasy series that I have written is kind of geared more toward the younger. It's sort of a middle grade YA mix. In a little upper middle grade, I guess. It's kind of in that middle. And so going down to something that was geared more for children was not terribly difficult. The hard part really was making it so adults would enjoy the story just as much. Mm. I wanted everyone to be able to enjoy this story and yet not have the children be bored.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you thought about maybe doing more children's books in the future?
8: Yeah, I have thought about it. I have thought, you know, there are so many stories out there that can be told and it's just a matter of connecting with the right story to be able to share. And I think with children's stories, there's so much more that you need to be able to connect with. It's not so much as an entertaining value. It is. But a lot of things with children's stories, in my mind, you want a value there that they can grasp onto and really enjoy. And so being able to tell that is a, is its own little challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this is a great book for children and for families and everybody listening. I encourage you to go check it out. It's titled The Last Shepherd. It's written by Travis Pond and it's published by Covenant Books. And of course, you can get it anywhere like on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick and mortar stores. Travis, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about The Last Shepherd. I had a nice time tonight.
8: Thank you very much. I so sure appreciate it.
0: Sitting down with me here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Lusherita McKinney. Lusherita, thank you so much for joining me.
9: Thank you for having me. Well,
0: it's great to have you on the show. It's even greater that you have a book out in stores. It's called The Six Secrets of Analysia. Can you tell me all about the book?
9: Yes, Analysia is a story of an everyday child moving to a new location with their family and discovering. Life's Mysteries from a Child's Point of View.
0: Mm. LaSherita, what sort of readers did you have in mind for it?
9: Juvenile readers from ages five and up.
0: And how did you get the idea for this? Where did the inspiration for The Six Secrets of Annalicia come from?
9: It came from, I was reading this book. I can't think of the name of it. And it just really, it was so intriguing that I wanted to write a book.
0: And how long did that take you, both the writing part of it and then the part where you had to go through the publishing process?
9: It took me about a month to write the book and about a year to publish it.
0: And what was it like after all that time of working on this book? When you finally got that first copy and you got to hold it for the first time, what was going through your head?
9: Oh, my goodness. I was so overwhelmed just to hold it and then see it, just to see my little character, you know, come to life. And it was just, oh, it was just so amazing.
0: (laughs) Have you given thought to writing more after this? Maybe a follow-up to The Six Secrets of Analysia or maybe something different in the future?
9: Yes, I do have a follow-up. Annalicia Chapter 2.
0: Do you have them planned out further than that, or do you think you'll wrap things up with Number 2?
9: I think I'm going to have more chapters. Hmm. Yes, maybe about four or five more chapters. Yeah.
0: A lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. So, LaSharita, do you have any words of advice that you could offer them? Yes. If you can think it, write it. And it's hard to go at this kind of thing alone. There's so much work, a lot of time involved. LaSharita, do you have people in your life who knew you you were doing this book and they could be there to motivate you and keep you going?
9: Yes, my friends and family. Hmm.
0: And when you sit down to read, you know, so many writers love to read as well. La LaSharita, what kinds of things do you find yourself getting lost in?
9: Fiction and nonfiction, both.
0: Do you ever hit those challenges when you're writing, like writer's block? Maybe you just get stuck for ideas, you have no idea where to go next.
9: Yes, I have done that.
0: Do you have a strategy for getting yourself back in the groove?
9: Give myself time to think. And then something comes over me. Well, I have to write.
0: La LaSharita, what's the most rewarding aspect now for you of being a published author now?
9: Oh, my. Just knowing that my book is worldwide and it'll be able to help children that, you know, have low self-esteem, have high self-esteem after reading this little book. mm
0: what did you find to be the most challenging part of writing the book? You know, there's the writing, there's the publishing, picking out the illustrations and cover. What was the most challenging part for you?
9: I guess just, oh, getting started. Just basically making myself do it, just do it.
0: Mm. Yeah, Oftentimes it's just getting yourself to write those first words. And then once you get started, then it starts flowing.
9: That's the truth, yes.
0: When it came to the cover and different illustrations that you needed for this book, Lucherita, what kind of a process was that? Was that an easy one?
9: Yes, they had illustrations for me, and I just picked the illustration that I thought would best fit my character.
0: When you sit down to write, Lucherita, do you like to write really early in the morning or maybe really late at night? Or are you maybe one of those kind of writers that writes whenever you get the time and ideas coming to you?
9: That's it. When an idea pops in my head, it can be over in the middle of the night. I need to get up and I go to my office and I start writing.
0: So, overall, did you find The Six Secrets of Analysia an easy book or a tough book to write for you?
9: It was easy.
0: I know a lot of listeners, a lot of readers out there are going to love this book. It's called The Six Secrets of Analysia. It's written by La Charita McKinney and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. La LaSharita, thank you again for joining me at the Reader House Author Roundtable and telling me all about The Six Secrets of Analysia. I hope we get to talk again sometime.
9: All right. Thank you so much.
0: Sitting down beside me now, right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, is author Sid Spurgeon. Sid, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. The pleasure is all mine, Sid. It's really exciting. i got to congratulate you. You have a new book out called Rivers, Pickups, and Friends. Can you tell me what it's about?
10: Sure. It's about three men who've grown up together in a small town in Oregon, Pendleton, Oregon. They were kids together. Two of them went to high school together and one was a little bit behind them. They went off to college, one went to Vietnam, but they all returned to Pendleton, and they all wanted to live there, and they all came back and got jobs and families, and that's kind of about what they did after that happened, after mostly it's their adult
0: life. Hmm. Sid, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into Rivers Pickups and Friends?
10: Well, that's a great question. (laughs) I think it would be just people who read regularly, who like good stories. I mean, it's a good story about nice people. They say good things, they do, the, you know, and it's sad at the end, but I think it, really anybody who likes to read would probably like
0: this book. Where'd you get the idea for it, Sid? What inspired you to write this?
10: Okay, this is probably a longer story. <laughs> I am a seriously addicted steelhead fisherman and I always wanted to write a story about fishing for steelhead, you know, kind of a field and stream kind of thing. And I never could get it the way I wanted it. And when I finally did, I finally got it and it's the beginning of the book, by the way, is the guy's on a steelhead trip. There's a guy fishing and he's driving back to his house. And I thought, you know, this guy's got to go home, he's probably got a family, and he lives in Pendleton, and maybe I can just keep going with this. And, and I did. I, I just kept going and turned it into a, a book.
0: Hmm. How long about did that take you?
10: Well, I think I don't think any more than seven or eight months. The part that took the longest really was my own review of it and tuning up a lot of things in the book.
0: Sid, is this your first go at something like this? What does your writing background look like?
10: It's the first time I've, I've sat down, really. And, it, well, no, it's the second time I've sat down and written a whole book. The first one I wrote, it's in a box in a cloth. <laughs> kind of where I thought this was where I put this one too. But when I finished with this one, I thought, you know, this might not be too bad. And I know the <laughs> difference between bad writing and good writing. So I had some friends read it, and one of my friends kind of lectured me. He says, well, what are you waiting for? Get this thing published. And so that's basically how it happened.
0: Now, what was it like the day you finally got that first one in? You got to hold your own work for the first time. (laughs) Look at it. What was that like, Sid?
10: Well, I'll tell you. I said, holy. Then I said kind of a bad word after that. (laughs) And then I told my wife, I said, Do you see this? (laughs) It's almost as surreal for me. For me. Yeah, I'm 73 years old. Shoot, I haven't done anything earth shaking. I kind of thought, well, there's my name on the front of this dang thing. And it was surreal. And in fact, the first thing I did was read it. What surprised me is how much different it seemed when I was reading it in book form. Hmm. It seemed real then, finally. Finally, at last, it seemed real. But when I saw the book, boy, that that just did
0: it for me. So what are the chances we might see a sequel to this one or, or some other kind of book for me in the future?
10: That's a good question. And I'm almost done with the second one. I've got a little bit more to go with it. But what's in the original book, the one we're talking about now, there's the older gentleman in there who's the father of one of the main characters. And he's really a nice guy, and he's kind of a neat guy, and he's a World War II veteran, and he's had a long, long, pretty pretty good life. And he's really an intelligent man on top of it all. So I'm thinking, well, maybe if I gave this guy a backstory. So that's what the second one's. But I changed names and stuff like that. But basically, that is my motivation
2: to do that.
0: I know a lot of readers are going to love this book, and I think they ought to check it out. It's titled Rivers, Pickups, and Friends. It's written by Sid Spurgeon. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can get it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Sid, I had a great time talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me and tell me all about things.
10: It was a lot of fun for me, too. I appreciate your call.